20 years ago this month, nearly 11 million gallons of crude oil spilled into Alaska's Prince William Sound after the oil tanker Exxon Valdez grounded on a reef. It was, and still is, the single largest spill to ever occur along the coastal U.S. We're going to dedicate today's show to the Exxon Valdez spill, what we learned from it, and how spill response has changed over the last two decades. It's Friday, March 13th, and this is Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. Today, we're talking to Dr. Alan Mearns, a senior staff scientist from NOAA's Office of Response and Restoration. Mearns was involved in the initial spill response for the Exxon Valdez accident, and he spent years leading a project that continues to monitor the long-term impact of the huge oil spill. Dr. Mearns' career in spill response began in the summer of 1989 when he was invited to join a survey to the spill site aboard a NOAA ship. My job there was to uh, collect and process samples of marine life and sediments on shorelines and then also below the tide line in, in deeper water. And there are lots of in, in, uh, marine animals, invertebrates, worms, clams, shrimps, all kinds of things. And my job was to, uh, that summer, was to uh, collect and process the samples and get them back to, to NOAA. This mission was one small part of a massive effort. There were hundreds of people involved in the cleanup, including groups from the Coast Guard, NOAA's Response and Restoration, NOAA's Fisheries, the Environmental Protection Agency, Exxon, and the state of Alaska. Much of NOAA's role in the spill, and in all spills, is to assist the Coast Guard, the lead responder for spills in U.S. territorial waters. Mern said that one of the biggest challenges the responders faced at the time was simply communication. And this was long before the Internet and cell phones. There were so many people involved that uh, I don't think we were prepared at all for the massive information management that was necessary. But with our contractors and, and staff, we, we got there eventually, helping the Coast Guard to manage the information. A spill is much quieter today than it used to be because uh, 20 years ago, everybody had a walkie-talkie, and if you were out on a beach with uh, dozens of people or somewhere, all, all you'd hear are these voices shouting back and forth. Well, there may not be as much shouting these days, but Noah's role in a spill remains much the same. Noah's teams predict the trajectory of the spill, provide weather forecasts, seek out the most oil-sensitive animal and plant populations that need protection, and develop response strategies to tackle spills. We'll talk more about what is different today in a few minutes. First, let's get back to the Exxon Valdez. So you may be wondering why Mearns was collecting samples of marine life during the oil spill, and what he went on to do next. The primary thing that I was involved in was uh, trying to get responders, the state, EPA, and, um, the, the spiller, and other agencies to understand that aggressive cleanup may not be the best thing. And so the project I was on was, was designed to take a look at um, high-pressure hot water washing, uh, which definitely removed oil, but it also removed a lot of marine life that had survived the oil spill. This was the preface to a larger monitoring study that began in 1990. NOAA's HAZMAT Division, the predecessor of today's Emergency Response Division, initiated a long-term effort to monitor the intertidal shoreline areas affected by the oil spill. The science team also set out to test the effects of using high-pressure hot water to clean oil off of beaches and shorelines. Dr. Mearns led this effort during its first six years. The monitoring study was carefully planned. While most of the oiled shorelines in the Sound were cleaned up, many with high-pressure hot water, 
A few small patches were purposefully not cleaned at all. And another half a dozen or so sites that were unaffected by the oil spill were also marked off. What this did was allow the NOAA scientists to track how well the area was recovering by comparing the three different treatments. What they learned was surprising. I think a lot of us have fixed in our minds that um, things are supposed to return to the way they were and take years to do it and then stay that way once they have returned. And our air and tidal systems, in the, at least in the North Pacific, don't do that. Had there not been an oil spill in Prince William Sound and had we done 20 years of long-term monitoring, we would have seen change. And at the end of 20 years, we would not see the uh, diversity and abundance of marine life exactly the way it was in year one. In other words, while the oil spill certainly had a profound effect on Prince William Sound, for example, Mearns notes that oil still lingers under the gravel on some beaches, the study found that shoreline marine life in the area goes through a natural ebb and flow over a cycle of four to seven years. So did the area recover? Again, Dr. Mearns. Everything depends on how you how do you, you define recovery. We were looking at the biology, the marine life, its abundance and variety, its diversity, and um, that has definitely recovered. In fact, after we many years, we looked back through the data and, and finally with statistics and so on, realized that it had recovered in about uh, three to four years. Um, clams uh, in softer beach areas uh, took a lot longer to recover, more like um, 10 to 12 years. And we think a lot of those were blown out by the uh, pressure washing. Well, beyond what this long-term study revealed, the Exxon Valdez spill also led to sweeping institutional changes. First, it resulted in the Oil Pollution Act of 1990. And this act improved the nation's ability to prevent and respond to spills, and it provided much-needed money and resources. The act also created the Oil Spill Liability Trust Fund, and that's now available to provide up to $1 billion per spill incident. And the act set in place new planning requirements for industry and for local, state, and federal governments. The Exxon Valdez spill also led to the creation of NOAA's Damage Assessment Remediation and Restoration Program, known as DARP for short. And this program is made up of scientists, economists, and attorneys who work together with many partners around the nation to help restore natural resources damaged by the release of oil and other hazardous materials. In addition to these organizational changes, Mearns noted that one very important thing has also changed since the spill. People now work together much more closely. I think one thing that's changed is that uh, people know each other better, and that's uh, in large part uh, a result of um, uh, continuing training activities. Um, we just don't sit in the office and write up manuals and send them out. We we take them out to the field. And we we bring in the Coast Guard, various states. Uh, we go to them, and we do training on the current science of spills, everything from the computer modeling to management systems to um, the effects of oil on marine life, Things new things we're learning. And um, as a result, um, we get to know uh, our colleagues around the country quite well. Speaking of the current science of spills, there have been many major advances in computer-assisted tools over the past 20 years. I'll give you one example, a software suite called Cameo, developed by NOAA and the Environmental Protection Agency. Cameo stands for Computer-Aided Management for Emergency Operations. 
Mern said that a big use for Cameo is to help the Coast Guard and other first responders prepare for and respond to spills, especially chemical incidents. We can model uh, the fate of uh, oil and chemical releases, uh, display results in various kinds of maps, uh, and manage um, planning data in each district around the country. Um, local government authorities are, are able to use this tool to inventory where their chemicals are, uh, shipping routes, use it to put all kinds of information together that, that's in, in one place that they can look up. In addition to new computer-aided tools, the Emergency Response Division has also been investigating other oil cleanup technologies. Over the past decade, Mern said his office has been closely studying the effects and usefulness of oil dispersants. And those are chemicals sprayed on oil wides at sea to disperse it in the water column, and that so it doesn't come ashore. While this method of oil cleanup is effective in many situations, there's been a reluctance to adopt its use in the U.S. We haven't had much experience with them in the U.S. We have elsewhere in the world, particularly in Norway and England, um, where we see that they can, in fact, um, prevent a lot of injury to to short to birds and uh, shorelines. So it's a uh, it's an ongoing, evolving. Um, uh, process to bring bring to the fore, uh, you know, a, a tool that's been around for a long time, but it's, we've had great reluctance to use it. Mern said that NOAA's study found that modern dispersant chemicals are less harmful and less toxic than spilled oil. And now the Coast Guard is commissioning response agencies around the country to stockpile these chemicals. The lesson, he said, is that every available method to clean up spills must be carefully and scientifically evaluated because we need to have as many tools at our disposal as possible. Yes, we've uh, been responding to spills all these years since the Exxon Valdez, but in between we've been culturing and trying to improve the information on some of these response methods. What our message is, don't exclude anything. Keep all the tools in the toolbox and um, don't just ban them outright to begin with. Despite advances in technology, better cooperation and planning, and new laws and procedures, Merge stressed that each oil spill is unique. Well, I'd like to quote uh, one of our uh, prime contractors, a very important person in this business, Jackie Michelle, with Research Planning Institute, and she says, I've never been to the same spill twice. It's a process of constantly adapting. We, you know, we get an uh, uh, announcement of a spill, we're called into action, um, you know, you start out thinking, oh, well, this is like this other spill that we had 10 years ago. And you get there, and nope, it isn't. Things are changing. The weather is different. The oil type is different. You know, the response community is a, a different group of people. I think our mission is to try and uh, not, not so much to um, clean up all the oil that's spilled, but to make sure that um, the least amount of injury is done so that the restoration people have less to do. No special thanks to Dr. Alan Mearns from NOAA's Office of Response and Restoration's Emergency Response Division for taking the time to speak with us. Surf over to our website for links to the offices and organizations we talked about today. We also have about 50 or so NOAA photos from the time of the Exxon Valdez oil spill for you, as well as links to learn more about the spill and its legacy. And that, as always, is at oceanservice.noaa.gov. That's all for this episode. 
If you have questions about this week's podcast, about the National Ocean Service, or about our ocean, send us an email at nos.info at noaa.gov. And here comes the ocean. This is Making Waves from NOAA's National Ocean Service. See you next week.